Episode 11 in 3, 2, 1. Howdy! Welcome to Managing Expectations, the podcast, a production of the Pacific Century Media Company. Uh, I'm Jeff Winger. With me, as most of the time, uh, is uh, my dear friend, my aide-de-camp, the uh, uh, Yeti coffee cup using Brian Grimm. How are you, Brian? Uh, Doing great. That's quite an introductory to live up to, Uh, but I will do my best. What what are those brass things in your collar? What are those called? Collar stays. Collar stays. Man, you are killing it. You are just (laughs) crushing the game <laughs> okay so you know what no, no no one else really knows that they're there but i know that they're there and you know that makes me feel pretty good mm-hmm. yeah well i uh, i assume you feel that way about your your pink box or your uh silk boxers too but you know feels pretty good <laughs> so uh uh, this is Managing Expectations, the uh, podcast that is never going to uh, let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Uh, strap in. We've got a, a good podcast coming your way. Um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about was the ESPN's uh, documentary, The Last Dance, uh, which I started... Which which. Are there two or three episodes out now? Um, I think there's two episodes out now. I think that they're running them on Sunday nights. Okay. Uh, so the first week they released two. Um, and I don't, I don't know the format. They're going to release two every week or how it's going to go. Okay. But uh, I watched one, the first episode. And I watched probably 15 minutes of the first one before I fell asleep. Not because it was bad, but because I'd taken three Tylenol PMs and a Trazodone. But perhaps that's too much information. I really needed a good I needed a good night's sleep. Right. <laughs> You're coming off of a recent injury and uh you needed to shut it down and let your body heal for a while. That yeah, that's exactly why. Also I don't drink anymore and neither do you. So this could be the angriest podcast ever. um uh, so so the last dance uh uh michael michael jordan uh, scotty pippen phil jackson you you saw more of it than i did yeah tell us the deal um i liked it because you know it talked about the late 70s early 80s bulls team that were just kind of a disaster and and uh, you know it, it they just they just weren't a very good team, uh, you know. Thus the high draft pick in '84, but uh, just not very good. I think there there was one scene where you know it was Chicago's obviously a Bears town. Uh, Blackhawks are huge, um, even even on a national even on a national level. level the Blackhawks are huge. The Cubs are America's team for people that don't care about winning. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people even like the White Sox. Right. Yeah. You so, know. I mean, so NBA basketball during that period of time just wasn't a priority. And uh, of the, you know, major sports franchises in Chicago, the Bulls were below the local roller derby team <laughs> I think I remember that from the script you're not that's not a funny hyperbole from you that's true yeah I think that the attendance and I don't know if it was the United Center at the time whatever arena they played in at the time um, but the roller derby squad drew more tickets had more ticket sales than the Bulls okay so let, let me just interrupt and, and say since you're talking about the late 70s early 80s that um, uh, the distinguished journalist David Halberstam, uh, who 
who made his bones in reporting uh, from Vietnam for the New York Times, uh, wrote one of the most um, exhaustive books on Vietnam called The Best and the Brightest. Uh, but he's also written a book on uh, Ford and Nissan called The Reckoning. Uh, he's written a lot about sports. Um, sports at a very high level, um, as well as, you know, American history, uh, be it military or social or, or, or whatever. So Halberstam uh, wrote a book called The Breaks of the Game, which followed the Portland Trailblazers uh, in, in, the, in the late 70s. And, and he said that essentially during the 70s, the NBA was a drug league. That just mm -hmm. everybody uh, was... Oh, it, actually, Jordan actually uh, speaks to that, right? Yeah, so there was, there was a scene after he, gets, after he gets picked by the Bulls. Um, and I don't know if it was the first road trip, but one of the early road trips in his first season with the Bulls, he, you know, knocks on one of his teammates' hotel room door just to, you know, just to talk, talk to one of his teammates. And clearly something is going on inside the room. You can hear, you know, people, some activity, people moving around. And uh, when the guy comes to the door, he's like, yo, who is it? And he's like, it's Michael. Let me in. And so he opens up the door and he says, and there was any drug that you wanted was there. There was guys doing coke over here, guys smoking weed over here, a bunch of booze, and then just a whole bunch of women. And uh, and then he was out of there after a couple minutes. He said, not, not, not for me. Um, and, and got out of there. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, uh, yeah. And, and so, really, uh, what started what's what started to save the NBA was uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson coming out the same year. Mm -hmm. uh, them going to uh, teams that would become that, that that would develop into a classic rivalry uh with the lakers and the celtics and that that really was the story of the 80s uh mm -hmm. and once once you got into the 90s I, I think the the pistons won a couple and maybe houston won one and then the the bulls uh, dominated. dominated dominated yeah 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 all right so, so i i wanted just to establish that and and uh throw in the Halberstam reference but uh okay so so take us back to the last dance so you know it, it follows Jordan um early in his college career at least episode one does early in his college career uh being recruited by the great Dean Smith and the winning a national championship and uh, they had some some footage of that national championship game against Georgetown and Patrick Ewing was on that, was on that team. And uh, I, I thought it was remarkable. And I think you and I might have talked about this offline once before, but uh, Michael Jordan's jump shot. And they, they showed the game-winning shot again. And for a jump shot, the guy elevates probably like 36, 40 inches up in the air for just a normal jump shot and, and then just drains it. And uh, just – a tremendous freakishly athletic guy um, which combined with some other qualities of being a stone cold killer and ultra competitive uh, made him the best ever and so uh, and, and, but he talked about how how close he was with Dean Smith and you know a, a lot of guys are close with their college coaches um, but I imagine that there's even more guys that absolutely hate their college coach <laughs> Yeah, I'm ha yeah, I'm halfway through Pat Conroy's uh book My Losing Season. He played uh he was the starting point guard for the Citadel, you know, some in their like early 60s. And um you know, nobody no no nobody goes to um uh a, a military institute uh, because they're so big great. time hoops. They're they're great, so great athletically, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he really described um, an unpleasant uh, head coach. Yeah, <laughs> unpleasant head coaches reminds me of Bob Knight 
for some reason. I'm not sure if everyone makes that connection. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, um, yeah, um, Bob Knight uh, is past unpleasant. <laughs> you know, uh, he he's he he's an interesting guy, right? I mean, a, yeah. a, a proven winner, and people who played for him don't really talk about how what what a hideous tyrant he was. I mm-hmm. mean, I I don't know if some guys just knew what they were getting with Bob Knight. Like this guy's going to be incredibly tough, but he's going to make me better. Um, I think I saw, it's funny, um, when I was recuperating from my recent surgery, I was, I think I watched a episode of Faraday. Do you know, um, the David, David Faraday? Yeah. The former golfer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, yeah. I actually spent a few mornings watching the golf channel. This is, and that was even before that was even, that was before the quarantine. You were still coming off of that anesthesia, probably. <laughs> they were bringing no, you out slowly. No, man, I was. <laughs> I wanted the anesthesia feeling to continue, so I went right. to the Golf Channel to to prolong that that just that that just uh, detached uh, sensation a little longer. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, he interviewed Bobby Knight, and um, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, Bob. Bobby Knight doesn't doesn't mess around. I mean, he you know you know, but but obviously, I mean, some of the stuff's gone too far, even in this you know ridiculously politically correct age. I mean, I mean, you know, he'll never work again. But I mean, he's also probably pushing eighty. So, you know, one of one of my favorite Bobby Knight quotes is when Coach K from Duke uh, broke his. I think I think it's when he broke. Bobby Knight's win, you know, total wins. Somebody asked Bob Knight how he felt about it, and he said, you know, Coach K, of, of course, played for Bobby Knight at Army before Bob went to, uh, Coach Knight went to Indiana. <laughs> Bobby Knight so, says, so yeah. Bo- Bobby Knight coached at West Point. Right. Because when you say Army, you sound like Buster Bluth. <laughs> These are my trophies, mother. <laughs> they, they just had a half day in army today. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so it was at West Point. At West Point, said, Mike Shashevsky was it was in the army. He played yeah. for. He played at West Point. Uh huh. No kidding. I I didn't. I honestly I didn't know that. Um. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Okay. So, so what did he? So, what did Knight say when Shishovsky beat his record? Not bad for a guy who couldn't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think that's funny. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that it doesn't excuse throwing a chair across the gym, but you know, of course not. Yeah. Come on, everybody's got a bad day, right? So, uh, covering some big time college coaches here uh dean smith coach k bob knight back to the story about michael jordan though yeah um you know wins the national championship um and you know he's a guy who could have probably could have come out after his junior or after his sophomore year right uh, went back went back and played again and they kind of say that hey he was seriously considering going back for his senior year and uh, Dean Smith uh, convinced him not to, mm-hmm. which is, you know, of course the college coach wants to hold on to the greatest player of all time. Why? Why wouldn't he? Sure. But uh, you know, I thought it was a pretty big deal. You know, convince him to go out. Yeah. Well, and and now, what? What? I mean, isn't the trend that if you're if you're if you're good at all, I mean, you'll you'd like come out really fast, right? Isn't, isn't that the yeah. way it was going? Um, I think the, the current rule in the NBA is that you have to be one year removed from high school, that they don't want guys making the jump straight from high school. So Kentucky, the last several years, has had 
a, a run of great, great players um, play their freshman year at Kentucky, uh, get pretty far in the NCAA tournament, and then go pro. Is that the uh, one coached by Kalapari? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, okay, so uh, who was – didn't – Moses Malone comes straight out of high school. I think so. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, you know, I mean, he did okay for himself, uh, but obviously a lot of guys don't. It's been a few years ago. Um, you know, uh, I'm thinking, you know, eight maybe years ago, but maybe more. Um, the Atlantic had an article by Taylor Branch, who wrote some of the uh, definitive works on the civil rights movement. Uh, some say even better than David Halberstam's book on the civil rights movement. Uh, but uh, Taylor Branch wrote an article on the NCAA and it focused primarily on basketball because uh, I think that's that's where the big money is, even more than football, which is really saying something. But March Madness uh, is a huge moneymaker. And and that's funny because I was thinking today that what when did I when did it really hit me that COVID nineteen was a real deal and I needed to tighten some things up. And and it may have been the the day that was it the guy from the Utah Jazz was like messing around with the phones and touching everybody's phones. And then it turns out he had it. He mm-hmm. tested, po- he tested positive for it mm-hmm. and the NBA shut it down. And then as I recall, shortly thereafter, the NCAA uh, called the season. Is that right. sound right? Yeah. I, I remember, I remember the NBA saying that they're, uh, suspending. I don't think they used to yeah, suspending, suspending the season suspending the season and i'm like holy cow this is a serious thing and then uh and then it seemed like the dominoes just started falling really really quickly after that uh yeah yeah uh so the nba suspended the season but when the the ncaa which is just as avaricious and self-serving an organization as can be found. And, and you go back to Taylor Branch's article, and, and he, um, as I recall, the deal is the NCAA was kind of a small little organization, and they started, and, and somehow they just blew up the brand and made it a real huge deal and then and then it's like the mob and it's everywhere and you got to do business with them because there's no other way there's no other game in town literally um and uh you know they they have all these you you watch a game and they have these feel good messages about you know these scholar athletes but you know uh everybody knows that uh particularly in football, you know, tons of those guys don't graduate. They don't, they don't, I mean, they get aspects of the college life as far as that goes. Um, it seems like you and I haven't had a podcast yet where we haven't, uh, mentioned Tom Wolfe's great book. I am Charlotte Simmons. That's mm-hmm. a terrific novel, uh, which, uh, everyone should read before sending their daughter off to college. Um, or, or, or you know, yeah, or, 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 yeah, or your kid off to, to college. But uh, uh, I, I found, um, well, I, I, I found Sh- Sh- Charlotte's the saddest of the sad things that that happened in this uh, uh, remove from uh, from parental s- supervision. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, the NCAA when when they canceled things, it made me think. Uh, Huh, this is this this is a big deal because those guys would not walk away from the billions of dollars that are made um in 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 sports um 
with yeah. by, by canceling March Madness if it wasn't a real deal. And I think uh, so. That would have been late February. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that that was something. And like you said, the, the billions of dollars that are made, and and even, I mean, everything that's tied to it. You know, all the ancillary stuff that comes from March Madness, uh, TV contracts. You know, gambling or whatever. I mean, this is just that was this is just a major, major thing. Co- um, commercials for Gatorade yeah. and sneakers, right? And chocolate milk. How's YooHoo do, doing during this pandemic? Has, has anybody <laughs> checked? <laughs> well, Brian, YooHoo has lost its internet dominance to to Goggle. <laughs> Not familiar. <laughs> uh, I like a yoo once in a while. That's a that's a refreshing beverage. Yeah, it doesn't have the uh, same. I, you know what? I'll tell you what else is a refreshing beverage is Fresca, but uh, it's it, it can leave an aftertaste. Uh, what I remember, it's been a while since I've had a yoo but what I remember about yoo is that it was like skim chocolate milk. Oh, you're just being ugly. No, it had uh, it has other stuff in it. It's uh, nutrients. <laughs> probably, I think I think it's fortified somehow. I don't know. All right, it's uh, we we've been at this for a few minutes, and it's uh, high time we recognize uh, one of the small businesses uh, who are tr- uh, staying afloat in these troubled economic times uh and that's our uh friend uh ray at all in a dream comics and books in uh, denver colorado he's located at the corner of uh, fillmore and colfax and can be reached at area code 303-333-8616 ray's got the best collection uh best selection i should say of uh uh, Silver Age comics and graphic novels that I've ever seen, and um, you know it's just a a terrific way to uh, you know I, I you know I've, I've made the joke about sneaking comics into the house so you know your your wife doesn't make fun of you um, uh, or wonder how much money you really make if you have money to be wasting on this sort of thing, but. Uh, it, 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 it's a it's a dignified way to bring some of the stories that you enjoyed as a kid, you know, you know, back in. So, um, uh, all in a dream, comics and books, uh, all uh, in Denver uh, again three zero three 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 eight six one six. All right. So, uh, um, a- a- anything else with basketball? Or I mean, did we want to continue to alienate our three female listeners um uh or are we ready are we ready to move on to what's really important which is what's wrong with me (laughs) i wasn't sure if you were going to transition into little women or Anne with an e at this point (laughs) (laughs) mrs winger has been devouring Anne with an e uh, has has have the women in your household also been enjoying Anne with an E? Uh, no, no. Mrs. Grimm is more of a purist and found it to be uh, coarse and vulgar. <laughs> I appreciate the conversational hiatus during gestation. Others attempt otherwise, but I find it coarse and vulgar. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's big Dan Teague for those of you that uh, are not familiar with Old Brother Where Art Thou. Old Brother Where Art Thou. So yeah, we're we're really getting back the uh, the female listener with uh, references to Old Brother Where Art Thou. Um, <laughs> by the time we get to Raising Arizona, there's going to be more testosterone in this podcast than. Uh, actually, that's not true. Women, some women really like Raising Arizona because Holly Hunter kills. She's very funny. Yep. Ha, I need me a toddler. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, 
so uh I don't I don't really think it's I don't really think it's the pandemic per se and it's not the quarantine because it actually affects me a little less than usual and you know Brian I I trust you to tell me if I'm I'm saying too much in a podcast but I've been so damn depressed for three days this week. I, I, I just, it's, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's funny. It's like, uh, um, uh, in fact, somebody just wrote a thing. Okay. So like, uh, in, um, in the wasteland by T.S. Eliot, he says, April is the cruelest month. Okay. So you're in high school and you say, well, why is April the cruelest month? And some and the teacher said, "Well, that's when Jesus was killed." And uh, <laughs> and and uh, that might have something to do with it, but you also have like the potential for storms, even snow. Uh, you also have kind of. A, a reaction to I mean things are starting to like be beautiful things are starting to renew to grow uh, the days are are temperate and and very pleasant and I don't I you know I, I've talked to the old man about this because because my my dad is is bipolar and so his problem has been more of a cyclical thing and so I was trying to get a feeling you know when I started getting serious about mental health um, I tried to get a feel for whether or not I was going through a cyclical thing and I don't I don't think I do I just think springs hard because everything else is growing and uh, prospering and becoming beautiful and it just, I don't know, I think on some level it feels like I'm not keeping up in, in, any, in any regard. I'm, uh, well, I'm going to disagree. You, you are. You're shut doing up. Great. Shut You're up. You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> um, when, I was, when I was in high school, um, I noticed that the kids would fight. You know, there was just more squabbles in, in the springtime. And, you know, occasionally myself included um and i talked to my mom about it and she she would you know i don't know but she would say well it's, it's spring fever the kids are looking forward to the school getting let out looking forward to summertime and and they're still they're still trapped inside and i think that you know covid19 uh how we've worked through this uh pandemic of yeah, that's just something that's going to happen overseas to the NBA season being suspended to you can't leave your house. Suspended maybe forever. Could be. <laughs> um, and, and I think that uh, uh, spring fever is, you know, you want to get out and you want to do some things and, and maybe enjoy some of those plans that you made for uh, the spring and the summer, but you're not able to. Everything's been affected by this. Yeah, but but that's not true in my case because, as you know, Brian, I manage expectations. So this year, there's no vacation planned. Um, uh, you know, I there there's no major remodeling planned. I'm not, you know, I mean, I mean, so so I had nothing economic planned even even before uh, the Great Depression of the 21st century. Mm -hmm. You know, something similar happened to me the other day is that I just, I think I woke up and I spent a little bit too much time on the news and I saw the jobless, you know, the, the unemployment report come out and, you know, another like four and a half, five million people filed for unemployment, pushing it over 20 million people. And um, and that took me back to 2009 and 2010. And, and I remember that I was still working and I was still busy in the company that I worked for. We were still making money and we were doing very well. Now, is that when you were working for the home 
video you were still working mm -hmm. for them then so you hadn't right. gone to the larger corporation in sales right. yet okay right and so and so you know i'm seeing these bad economic economic reports that are coming out and i'm like they need to stop reporting on this stuff you know this is just getting everybody freaked out this is it's you know i'm still bit i'm busy i'm working what's you know they need to chill out they're gonna send everybody to a panic well then then it all really started coming to my hometown um, and things got really, really bad. And I remember how I felt back then. And I think because that wasn't that long ago and I know, you know, that it was tough. It was tough on me, but it was, t it was a lot harder on others um, getting through this. And so I think I'm being reminded of that now of, of what the next few years were going to be like as we work through these I mean, let's just say that the virus goes away. I don't think it's going to happen, but let's just say it does. Um, there's going to be shock waves that are going to be felt for many years to come with, with this kind of economic, sudden economic impact. And I think it, I spent a few days really, really worried about it and feeling pretty down. Okay. Well, yeah, that is that is a downer. When, when did you leave? When did you leave that smaller company? That was in 2010. And, okay. Um, so what? Okay, 2010. So it uh, um, it was uh, not directly related to the financial meltdown, though. You did see business. D did business ever slow down? It did. Like okay. almost, almost abruptly, like okay. it was, it was busy. It was busy. It was busy. And then there was nothing, nothing. Um, cause see, I, I, my, my own, my own sense on this is that it, in hindsight, nothing changed after nine 11, except for it's more of a hassle to board an airplane because right. you, you have that stupid, you know, security theater where you got to take your shoes off and you got to go in the, in the, I can see you naked machine. And, um, you know, and then, you, uh, you know, so, so there's that. And I, I don't feel any safe. I don't feel less safe, but I don't feel more safe for those precautions. Right. But, you know, I, I mean, I think that America, you know, American foreign policy or, you know, economics or whatever, um, y you know, I, I mean, pe people may be profoundly unhappy about the way it went, but, you, you, you know, I, you know, I would just say, I, I just want to say, um, well, we're talking about 9-11, I don't know that President Al Gore would have reacted so much differently. I mean, I think that the Americans right. were going into Afghanistan, which has been the most troublesome of the two spots. I mean, arguably, um, uh, President Gore might not have taken the threat of <laughs> weapons of mass destruction uh, in Iraq, uh, you know, as seriously or, or whatever. But, I mean, so... I just don't think 9-11 changed everything. I don't. I don't think that the, the Great Recession of 2008 changed things, though it kind of did because, you know, millennials, like, take Ubers instead of buying a car, for example. Um, so, I mean, but but that could also be just a demographic change, right? right. As As technology... Uh, you know, however imperfectly, you know, I mean, uh, it, some of those, some of these companies are as cynical as the NCAA, you know, uh, it's like, oh, Uber's not in the, the transportation business. They're, they're a tech platform. I see. What does the tech platform do? Can like I can I can I plot if I have a funny joke can I post it on Uber? No, no, no. You can hail a cab. 
which is, you know, only instead of an actual cab, it's, you know, it's a guy in a Prius. Right. Uh, you know, so, you know, look, I, I mean, if it works for people, that's that's great, but they just seem to be dodging all sorts of things like taking out taxes and there's you know, zero benefits and stuff like that. So, so I don't, I don't know. The, the, so there were some changes after the Great Recession. What I'm trying to say is that the the big shocks of the 21st century haven't haven't I, I don't think it's changed society all that much. Uh, there have been advances in technology, but that's independent of the big shocks. Uh, now we come to this COVID-19 situation and I don't think any, I think it's going to change everything forever. I mean, right. I really, I, I, I really do. I'm, and I'm not saying that's, well, you know, look, I, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of businesses aren't coming back. Um, you know, the, uh, payroll protection act, um, seems, uh, to have been imperfectly implemented. You know, I'm not <laughs> trying to take a strong political uh, position on that or anything else, but you know that you know I'm not sure how that works. Um, yeah, yeah. Right, you, yeah. What, you, you're trying to inject two trillion dollars worth of money into the economy. Nobody has the same circumstance and situation ability to access that money it's it's all over the place um something was thrown at it to try to fix it we'll, we'll see what it does not even to fix it i shouldn't say that maybe this is <laughs> keep the lights on it's more like a well, bridge it's a bridge loan yeah. isn't it i mean really yeah. it's like look we'll give you this much money if you can uh if you uh if you'll keep these people on your payroll, but I don't know that they that they did. I mean, restaurants are still open for dry takeout, mm -hmm. um, but we're friends with a family who run the finest restaurant in uh, Kansas City. Uh, it's called Affair. It's uh, fine German dining. Uh, Chef Martin Heuser. Uh, his lovely wife, Katrin, and their children uh, are the only ones w working now. Uh, and if, you know, you're a upscale fine dining establishment, try try getting a premium for something that people are going to take with them in a styrofoam yeah. box. Right? But they're not going to eat for 20 minutes after they get it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They just, yeah, they go sit in the car. You know, um, so so uh, so restaurants are open, but here in Texas, they they've just resumed curbside retail, and uh, uh, I'm actually okay with that. But they're not doing that in Colorado. Um, Monday, Monday, things are going to relax. Um, so. Home Depot and Target have been, Home Depot and Target have been open. Sure. Oh, short, um, shorter hours. Yeah, shorter yeah. hours. Sure. Um, some of the more the first classified non-essential businesses are are you know going to be deemed essential. Um, real estate agents can start showing in houses in person beginning on Monday. Okay. Um, what about um, what about other retail bookstores? Yeah, I think I, I think I, I believe that they're going to be open. Okay, so it's I'm I'm um it um I'm surprised that Colorado's getting at it so fast, um, but I can't you know I don't know I I it it, it seems like it may be okay maybe it may be about time. I don't know. You dip your toe into the water and, and take the temperature. So apparently the Swedes the Swedes are claiming that in Stockholm they're they're reaching herd immunity. That enough people have gotten s sick and exposed and of course Sweden really didn't 
put a lot of emphasis on social distancing the way Norway and Finland and Denmark did, the other Nordic countries, uh, and they had a much higher uh, uh, rate of infection. <clears throat> but now they say that's leveling. I mean, you know, this is this is what they would say, <laughs> as opposed to, we, oops, yeah. we accidentally killed way more people than we thought we would. <laughs> we totally did this right. <laughs> Anyway, I you know I don't know uh, um, herd immunity. I I, I don't know. Um, I it just it seems um, the thing is the social distancing, the the mask wearing, uh, the the standing in line to get into a store, uh, all of that seems reasonable in the short term and completely unsustainable in the long term and you you told me an amusing story the other day about um finding out that some parents don't like their children and that being at home with them while they like take their lessons via zoom uh, is horrible. You remember telling me that? I do. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're talking like maybe not sending kids back to school next year. Yeah. I, and so, uh, so, you know, my kids have, have been in homeschool for the last couple of years anyway, and so the, they made the comment when this whole thing got started that the quarantine feels an awful lot like regular homeschool <laughs> and so so they're doing fine but I couldn't imagine trying to teach a seven-year-old or let alone two seven-year-olds okay uh, to do their lessons sure I think that that would be that'd be <laughs> very difficult I suppose it would be yeah and, and at my age one doesn't think in terms of seven-year-olds uh, though um if we had children, this is about the time when our total loser children would be dropping their grandchildren off for us to raise. So that, that that's how old I am. That's how many that's how many years old I am. Dad, <laughs> the two year old's a total bummer. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to step in. <laughs> Of course, Junior. <laughs> um, ah, man, how much love some people have! Wow, way to go, Brian. You're a dad. That's a, you know what, you know what, you know what this this should the side of your Yeti mug should say, world's greatest dad, world's okayest dad, because <laughs> you manage your expectations. That's right. Yeah. Just, you know, this is a, this is, um, I, I wouldn't say a very special pro podcast, but it's a perfectly adequate podcast. Uh, while we're talking about uh, small businesses and um, trying to survive and curbside service, uh, once again, if uh, Monday Colorado is loosening up, then uh, it's a great time uh, to start getting um, uh, more reading material. All in a Dream Comics and Books has been contributing to the, the intellectual texture <clears throat> excuse me, intellectual texture of the Mile High City for over 30 years. Uh, that's a long time to spend on East Colfax. Uh, I know because I've visited a few times. <laughs> and uh, um, anyway, uh, uh, Ray, Ray's uh, All in a Dream comics and books has got great uh, silver age some golden age comics uh new comics uh i learned recently that dc uh, had some trouble with their regular publisher but then they found other publishers 
and so new comics are going to start coming back in um, and so uh, give Ray a call at 303-333-8616 All in a Dream Comics and Books The Loading Has Begun well, so uh, I don't feel worse, Brian, but I don't really feel better. Um, I'm not going to blame you, but, uh, you know, um, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, not, it's not entirely my fault. Well, it's not, I don't think it's your fault at all uh, that I feel bad. Uh, you know, you might have said something to cheer me up. You know, who knows? It's like, uh, you know, with me. Okay, so, okay, so I talked about, like, um, when I really got serious about mental health because it was not going well for me at all. I mean, it's just, I mean, I just couldn't figure out why I would, I was feeling so bad. So I read a book by, I well, let's put it this way. I started a book called, um, oh, for heaven's sake, uh, The Unquiet Mind, or An Unquiet Mind by K. Redfield Jameson, who's written a lot about mental health. She is herself a, a eminent, I don't know, psychiatrist or something. But it turns out she's bipolar, and An Unquiet Mind is, um, or, you know, Unquiet Mind is uh, about bipolar, or as it was. Uh, called previously Manic Depression. And um, I read enough to be able to figure out that that wasn't my deal. And, and, the, and, and, the, and, and the reason why, um, you know, uh, spring, feel, you know, feeling a certain way in the springtime is, is one thing. Uh, but the thing with Manic Depression is... Um, when you're up, you have mania is, is marked by certain things like uh, um, just an abundance of energy, requiring very little sleep, um, a, a feeling of invulnerability, invincibility that contributes to uh, irresponsible and reckless behavior. So you might go on a shopping spree. You might um, engage in, um, you know, you might have an, you know, a, an affair or multiple affairs. Um, uh, it just makes you, just puts you into overdrive. And I think that one of the reasons why people are reluctant to take medicine that can moderate um, these, these extreme cycles is because mania is awesome. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if you're a certain sort of person, I suppose. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're killing it in business. Um, you, know, you're, you know, it's just like... Yeah, you feel like you're at your, be at your best. You f yeah, you think so. But then... But then not only do you inevitably tumble into a depressive cycle, but then your wife finds out that, you know, you've been, you know, with Fredo in Vegas and, uh, you know, you spent, you spent all the money, you know, where's all the money? <laughs> so... <clears throat> Uh, at abundance of energy, you know, she had me at abundance of energy. I've never really felt that way. So it's it's more of a melancholy with me. Uh, a really great book on that subject is a book called Lincoln's Melancholy. Abraham Lincoln was um, kind of a depressed guy. And, um, uh, you know... From his writings, I mean, he it, depression in the 19th century was more commonly called melancholia, mm -hmm. and uh, you know he, he he talked about it a lot, talked about it a lot. Now I don't you know look I'm not I'm not saying I'm I'm Lincoln, but I'm saying that um, 
between Lincoln's writings and the analysis of the author who, if memory serves, is, uh, is uh, Joshua Wolf Shank or Joshua Shank Wolf. Yeah. I, I can't, I honestly, I can't remember. It's, it's around here someplace, but, um, uh, it's, I don't know. We can look it up. We can, we can, we can put it in the show notes. Um, but he, between his, between his commentary and analysis and, and Lincoln's own writing, I thought, aha, yeah, that's good. The bet. Okay. So when I, when I talk to a friend, when, so sometimes people will come to me and they're like, you know, cause look, I, you know, I'm not on Oprah all the time. You know, it's, I, I'm not, it's not like I go, go around a, hi, my name's Jeff Winger. I'm, I'm a really depressed guy, but you know, people, you know, kind you know, people who know me kind of know that I got that side. And, and so like, you know, they're it's like, I heard, I heard this clip from the Sopranos, right? At one point, uh, you know, Tony Soprano's like, seeing a head shrinker and is uh, mm-hmm. coming to deal with it. And he's talking to, you know, the young guy in the crew and he's like, uh, so uh, are you feeling, uh, I don't know, uh, depressed? <laughs> so, so anyway, people will, you know, every once in a while, people, people, you know, want to, want to talk to me about that. And the books I always recommend are, um, uh, William Styron's book, uh, Darkness Visible, uh, which is the best book to describe what depression feels like for people who don't know what it feels like. Because it's more than just feeling blue and mopey. Right. And and, and the thing that I find is, I mean, wh- what, what you must know, because what we all must know is that nothing lasts forever. Good days right. don't go on forever. Bad days don't go on forever. So what you have to do when it's really bad is just know. You you have to intellectually overpower the thing and say, this will fade. But I'm telling you, the two days ago, I wasn't thinking that. Now, today mm-hmm. I feel tons better than I did yesterday. I, you know, I, I suppose I felt better yesterday than I did the day before that, but I'm telling you two days ago. And, and so all you have to do is, you know, not eat a gun while you, because it's going to get better because it always right. gets better. It, it does. Right. But when you're in it, you think it's never going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I recommend that book. I recommend, um, uh, the, the conservative, uh, commentator Dennis Prager and I know that's going to put some people off but um, he wrote a book called um, Happiness is a Serious Problem which is kind of funny right uh, and it's 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 conservative but not necessarily politically conservative I mean it's it's more just like um, there's a lot of uh essentially cognitive behavioral therapy there's like you know applying the intellect to the problem um you know a a depressed person can often say well nobody likes me well that's not true even if a lot of people don't like you there are some people who like you Mm -hmm. so you can't say nobody likes you there's that great there's that there's that great line in um Wyatt Earp, the Kevin Costner movie. Uh-huh. And um uh Dennis Quaid's um uh Doc Holliday at one point is saying like that he doesn't want to live because he's just dying of tuberculosis. I sleep with the nastiest whore in Kansas and everybody who knows me hates me. And why Costner's Wyatt Earp says, not everybody who knows you hates you. <laughs> I mean, which is like the oldest, that's the oldest joke in yeah. the book, but it's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then um, for some people, um, 
it may be helpful to read a book called uh, A Drinking Life by Pete Hamill. Have you ever read that? Mm -mm, I haven't. Okay, so Pete Hamill is like an old school New York reporter, right? You know, reporter on the beat. Um, and yeah. Uh, he's, written, was... he's written fiction in, in subsequent years. He's, an old, he's a very old man now. So I don't I don't know if he's working at all. Yeah, so he was with you know, he was with the post and then another guy was with the news or the daily uh, news. another Yeah. Um and I saw I watched a documentary on him um Where? I don't know, six months ago, six months ago, a year ago. On Netflix? Um could have been. Because if it's on anything other than Amazon Prime, I'll watch it. <laughs> uh, Breslin. Jimmy Breslin. Yeah, Breslin and Hamill, Deadline Artist. Uh, it was on HBO Documentary. Oh, I, I, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Mr. Yeti Cup Drinking Man. I, I don't have HBO. But uh, you saw a thing on Pete Hamill. Okay, well, so he he was a heavy drinker for many years, and then he stopped. A really interesting guy, really interesting life. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, the sort of guy who might have run with Hemingway, uh, you know, run the Bulls with, with Hemingway, you know, if it had been the same generation. But um, I think he had, I think he had a dalliance with Shirley MacLaine. Probably. Uh, I remember... Probably. I mean, I woulda. <laughs> Not what I said. I didn't say that. I didn't say those words. <laughs> um, yeah, he, you know, Breslin was kind of the, the rough cigar smoking guy, but Pete Hamill was kind of the playboy of the two, and he was... Maybe I'm screwing this up because it's been a little while since I've No, that it. sounds about right, man about town. Yeah. And, yeah, but, uh, but, know, but, with, but I mean, he's, he's with like, actresses. Yeah. Even though I think his 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 youth was, I mean, he comes from shanty Irish stock, which is super offensive probably to super touchy people and also the Irish, but come on. There's shanty Irish and then there's lace curtain Irish. <laughs> Do you my, my family was Scotch Irish. <laughs> is is that what your dad was? Your dad Scots Irish? My uh, my uh, my dad's mother, my dad's dad was German. Yeah, you would think, except except um, uh, on the. On the Appalachian Trail, a lot of Germans took the trip south from Pennsylvania, uh, mm. from Philadelphia. Not as many as would go eventually go west and settle around the Great Lakes. So, you know, Bush is Milwaukee for beer. Or, or no, what, or, or is Han what's Milwaukee for beer? Is that, is that even a tagline? I don't drink. I don't drink beer. So I, I don't follow. I don't follow. <laughs> Bush, the cure for the common beer. <laughs> so, well, no, well, see, so, so the Anheuser fan was Anheuser Bush was a was were two different families, but they were in St. Louis. So then, who was in Milwaukee? I mean, they, but they were German. You know, they were for sure... Oh, the Schatz Brewery, I think, from Laverne and Shirley. Shamil. Shamazel. <laughs> I never liked Laverne and Shirley. When the reruns were on TV, it never... It, it bugged me for some reason when I was like 10 years old. Maybe it I didn't get it. It bugged you? Yeah. There was just something about them. Are, are you... In, are you... I, I, I'm, I'm sensing a lot of toxic masculinity right now, Brian. Do you have a problem with strong female leads? Absolutely not. 
And you know how you can prove that? Check my Netflix recommendations. (laughs) (laughs) Your wife's a beard. (laughs) She She gives you sensitivity cred. Right. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Okay, now now I'm feeling better. It took an hour, but that was a good laugh. So thanks. Uh, I'm sure no one else made it that far, but I did, <laughs> and I appreciate it. Maybe when this is done, well, I'll just add a, a, a quick soundbite at the beginning. Give it an hour. You might feel better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to do a thing because a woman at, uh, at my day job. Um, I'm telling her, yeah, we're on Apple, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and she says, "Are you really? That's great." And then she goes and she looks on Spotify, and there's other managing expectations, but not us. I said, "Well, here it looks like this," and I I, I showed her the painting that we use for mm-hmm. our uh, identifier, painting. my my, my yeah. painting of uh, that's entitled Elvis's Kitchen. And uh, I look forward to talking about art on some future podcasts, but not not now. We've already, you know, we're hitting the wall. So anyway, we're not on Spotify. You find us on Spotify, and and I'll uh, I'll uh, set Patricia st- straight. But uh, she looked it right up in front front of me, and uh, wasn't happening. But there's other managing expectations on Spotify. Yeah, but come on, they can't possibly be as good as this. We're going to look like a bunch of Johnny-come-latelys. <laughs> so, the thing the thing about uh, other managing expectations is they're either going to be about... Nobody's, nobody's using it as archly as we are. I just don't believe that. Um, they're, they're probably super sincere about business... Or about self-improvement. Two things about which I know nothing. I know. Peshaw, right? Yeah. No, of course not. No. It's just... Right. No. Just... Just... I'll, just I'll set, look it up. Set your expectations properly. Yeah. Yeah, because I looked around on Apple Podcasts, and I didn't, I didn't see any... Um, I didn't see any other managing expectations. But it's a great title, and I'm not changing it no matter what. Unless a lawyer, somebody else's lawyer, tells me I have to. But other than that, absolutely not. No no way. I am not budging unless I get a letter on letterhead that says I please change it. It's a great stance. It's a great stance to take with most things. All right, so we'll we'll talk some more about books um, next time, I guess. But uh, I think we referenced some books. Oh yes, we did. Oh yes, we did. Um, and oh uh, yeah, look if I you know if I'm if I was a bummer in the middle of the thing today, I don't think that I'm talking out of turn. I I, I think that there's a lot of people who are yeah. I talk to a lot of people and um, people people are having a tough time uh, trying to adapt to the way the world is now and then wondering what it's going to be like in even just a couple of weeks. Um, so yeah. it's 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 just the way that it is right now. Right. And, and the thing is, um, personally, I'm reacting to that the way I react to most things with rage and then sadness uh but i'm trying to put on a good face at work and among my friends and you know that just that i don't know i i i don't i don't want to be a phony i mean there is part of me that really does look on the bright side of things but there are other times i i would just like to you know I don't know. Put my head through the wall. Do something drastic. Yeah. You know. 
So don't do that. It's a family tradition, Brian. <laughs> so, so uh, we'll go out on the, uh, by paraphrasing uh, Hank Jr., uh, Scots-Irish, like your paternal grandmother. Um, I have loved the ladies, and I have loved Jim Beam, and they both tried to kill me in 1983. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, uh, having said that, everybody, thanks for listening. We're we're on Apple Podcasts. We are supposed to be on Spotify. If this l- low down Yankee liar Brian Grimm isn't pulling my leg about being on Spotify, uh, but uh, we would love it if you subscribed. Uh, you can also get us on Podbean. Um, a little. Uh, a quaint, out-of-the-way uh, podcast service. Uh, we're doing some. Uh, we're doing some fun stuff, and uh, it's interesting. And it's just like we're sitting there in the seat next to you when you're driving to work. And isn't that fun? So, listen, everybody. Thanks a lot for being with us, Brian. Thank you for making time for uh, this uh, s- special fill-in edition of Managing Expectations. Thanks to uh, All in a Dream Comics in uh, Denver. Um, you got anything else, Brian? No. This is uh, it was a pretty good show. Yeah, it was a good show. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Uh, you know, it wasn't great, but it was it was good. All I right. Some important things. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to work. Let's go to work.